What is happening, everyone? Happy Fight Week, along with Will Brewer. I'm Colby Daniels. Um, so, quick recap. Two weeks ago, we tried to record, and then we tried to record again, and then we tried to record again, and for some reason, my power just intermittently kept going out. And not for long periods of time, it would just go out and come back on a few minutes later. And we tried and tried and kept getting interrupted, and we'd have to start all over because there was no way to save what we had done up to that point. And uh, ultimately, timing-wise, this is a busy time of the year for me anyway. Uh, we were just never able to uh, finally get that one done. Uh, last week um, also had some uh, some timing things, not to mention there was no cards. So um, ultimately, Will, we're playing catch-up. It's good to see you, man. Good to hear your voice. How are you, my friend? Yeah, we're, we're playing catch-up, man. I mean, it's been... Uh... Uh, it's, it's a rare uh, occasion where we don't have a car to, uh, to talk about, but I mean, before that, before this, for last week, there's another card that we, uh, do have to talk about. So it's, it's a rarity that we've missed, uh, back to back weeks, but I mean, uh, there's no shortage of stuff to talk about in the MMA world. So, I mean, it's good to be back. Yeah. And, and look, we're also on the doorstep of an incredible end to the year in the UFC, right? Like UFC 280 and UFC 281, are two of the best cards that I can ever remember, right? Like these are two of the best star-studded cards that I've ever seen. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I don't know if what the occasion is um, for both these cards being stacked like this. I mean, I know in November you got MSG and, uh, you know, they go to Abu Dhabi for this October card. But man, the way that they stacked this up, you would have thought that it was International Fight Week or uh, <laughs> like that the 30th anniversary show or UFC 300, something like that. But, but man, it's, it's crazy how much they've stacked these cards. And uh, for us as hardcore fans, I mean, we're salivating at the thought of watching so many great fights, so many fights with so much writing on them. Uh, it's going to be crazy, man. I, I, I'm excited. We're, we're a mere three weeks away, I, I believe from, uh, from 280. So, I mean, we've just got a few more weeks uh, to wait, but uh, that car is going to be insane. 280 from literally the first fight until the main event might be as heavily stacked as any card we've ever seen. And then in terms of just the firepower, especially on the main card of 281, it doesn't get any better than that. And uh, I, I saw a tweet uh, the other day that said something like, watch the full Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje fight here. Right. And I don't know. I don't know what the account was, but um, I was like, that was such a great fight. And then I started thinking like the Michael Chandler uh, win for Oliveira, followed by the Poirier win, followed by the Gaethje win. Like all three of those fights were so great, right? Because they th there were big moments for both guys in all three fights. Like Charles Oliveira not only has been an incredible champion, but he's been involved in arguably the most fun championship fights in the sport in in the last like calendar year. You, you know, it's it's a complete shift from what we saw from the previous title reign with with Khabib. You know, Khabib was so dominant. Uh, I think that we aren't used to the uh, the amount of excitement. Like whenever Khabib fought, there was a, there was excitement because you knew like, OK, what's going to happen? Is this guy going to be able to solve the puzzle? But it just seems like with Oliveira, you know, he's going to go in there and get into a scrap. Like he goes, runs across the octagon against the scariest guys in the division, gets in their face, uh, takes takes shots, takes punishment, and ends up uh, on the other side retaining his belt. Or uh, in the in the last fight, you know, he wasn't able to retain his belt. But we all know that Charles is the champion. I mean, what he's done, uh, his this career resurgence, I mean, I haven't seen anything like it in the sport. I mean, you, you've seen some guys who've, uh, you know, 
ha- who have had similar resurgences, but like the way that Oliveira has become such a dominant champion, uh, it's completely different from what the likes of say uh, Michael Bisping did, uh, because he was only champion for you know one title reign, I believe, and uh, like Robbie Lawler. I mean, it's just crazy how Oliveira has just become one of the dominant champions in the sport, top five uh, pound for pound. Uh, it doesn't get any better than that. That's what this sport is all about. I mean. For the longest time, I couldn't see Oliveira being a champion. Uh, like, he would be in these high-level fights with Ferguson and with Michael Chandler and everything. And I'm yeah. just like, like, I, like, he's getting better, but I, I just don't see it. I don't see him being the best. But, like, now, I mean, you, you can't, like, deny him of that title anymore. He's the best lightweight in the world. But he's taken on a guy in Makachev who just who could just completely shut all that down. <laughs> all of the dominance and all of the great fights, we could completely see uh, Oliveira get ragdolled. And that's what makes this matchup so good. Um, what Oliveira has a slight deficiency in, you know, Makachev is great at, and vice versa. So, I mean, the whole thing, it, it's just going to be a great, uh, a great fight. Uh, I can't wait for it. If I can give you and I a little credit, I think we've both been saying for approximately two years now, that Islam Mahashev is a future champion in the lightweight division. Now we are on the doorstep of this fight happening, and I'm a giant Justin Gaethje fan. I'm also a giant Dustin Poirier fan. Uh, I picked against Oliveira in both of those fights, Um, and that was also after he had beaten Michael Chandler, right? That three combination of fighters, Chandler, Poirier, Gaethje, like those are three of the top, I don't know, 10 to 15 most exciting fighters in the entire promotion, Uh, and Charles Oliveira has finished... All three of them. This is a completely different fight. And if you had asked me a year ago, Islam Mahashev is going to fight Charles Oliveira for the belt. Without hesitation, Will, my answer is Islam Mahashev is your new 155 champion. Here we are getting close. And I feel like almost every other day I talk myself in and out of one of these guys being the champ and one of these like I'm so all over the place with how I feel about this fight and what's going to happen, which is, I think, the the best framework for what is going to be an incredible fight. Like, I, I can't settle into feeling a certain way about this fight. Yeah, you know, um, th- just the matchup itself. I mean, there's there's so many layers to uh, the matchup itself. Um, Oliveira being such a good grappler and with his jujitsu and then he's become such a good striker i mean it's so hard to like really gauge how this fight's gonna go um because if if islam takes him down that's the danger zone immediately for for islam but that's where his his bread is buttered right so um and at any moment like olivera could with his striking i mean we we haven't seen islam um in a long yeah we haven't seen him strike for long periods of time and I feel like we could possibly see that because the takedown threat is so um, is so apparent for him. So I feel like, you know, Islam and Charles, we could see a striking match. We could see, I'm sure, man. I mean, there's no way Islam's not going to try to get this guy to the ground because that's that's what he does best. He ragdolls people. He's hit the strength. And normally with jujitsu guys, that's what that's what derails him is, is a strong wrestler who's able to, uh, you know, have their way with them on the ground. So. So many layers to this fight, man. Um, Charles has been so dominant. I mean, he's gotten bigger. I mean, you you could see him put size on as his title reign has has gone on. Like the 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 Charles Oliveira that fought Tony Ferguson, and you watch the Charles Oliveira that fought Justin Gaethje. I mean, it almost looks like two different people because Charles looks yeah. massive nowadays, man. And I feel like 
uh, that's and he was preparing for this Islam fight uh, because he knew that Islam was coming at some point. So I feel like he's definitely trying to put on muscle to prepare for Islam. So, I mean, so many layers to this fight, man. Yeah. I mean, the more I talk about it, the more uh, excited that I get for it. It's 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 just a it's just a very, very good stylistic matchup that could go many, many ways. And and, you know, I, I don't know that we've ever or at least I'll speak for myself. I don't know that I've ever seen Islam fight very much on the feet, right? Like it's when it is on the feet, it's always with him in pursuit of getting it down. And it's never been against, I think, somebody nearly as dangerous as Charles Oliveira. And to that point, like I've always felt like Oliveira was a good striker. Um, but like, I, I, I feel like I've always kind of underrated his power, right? He knocked out Chandler. He knocked out Poirier, knocked out Gaethje, like, or didn't knock out Poirier, but but definitely was hurting Poirier, um, but knocked out the other two. I mean, all three of those guys are as durable as anybody in the sport. And and if this is remaining on the feet for any period of time, uh, I, I would think that that is big trouble for Islam. But man, I can't wait for that fight. UFC 280, that card is, is sensational, absolutely loaded, and it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, rewinding a couple weeks, Will, uh, we got to talk about the UFC fight night, Sanhagen Yadong. Uh, card or at least uh, the main and co-main events because uh, that card ended in in a wild way. Um, Corey Sanhagen gets the win, which I think we both expected that to happen. That was a fun fight, and my gosh, man, the cut on Song Yudong was something else. Yeah, I mean, first I want to say, uh, well, first let me acknowledge the cut because that cut was disgusting, and for Song to fight with that cut as long as he did, uh, that just tells you how tough that guy is. And he he even wanted to continue fighting before they ended up uh, eventually stopping it. He was going to go back out there, but the doctor, you know, had seen enough. I mean, by the time uh, the doctor looked at it for the last time, I mean, the cut was was swollen. Uh, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, you could almost. The two cuts that we saw that night, I mean, they were among the worst that we've seen in MMA history. But, I mean, the the performance for Sanhagen, I was very impressed. I mean, I, I remember the first round, I was a little concerned about how he was fighting because uh, he was going in for takedowns, he was giving different looks and stuff, but I thought Corey would fight on the outside, use his distance and uh, make Song come, uh, come in and everything. But I think he definitely used his wrestling, used the takedowns to just give... Uh, song a different look uh, to introduce the wrestling into the equation that way uh, song has you know something to think about as he's trying to come in so he spent the whole first round doing that stuff and at first I'm thinking this is a terrible uh, way to approach this fight but he definitely was planning for the later rounds he was planning to introduce that so you know the elbows can actually can work and after after that first round and song was you know trying to come in the elbows started connecting we, we started to see Corey open up a little bit um and, and but to that credit i mean song did fight well i mean that fight was was pretty close but we saw uh we saw the evolution of Corey in this fight we saw him uh use his wrestling we saw him uh strike we saw so many different layers to to cory sanhagen uh that we haven't seen before so Corey's definitely getting better he's definitely evolving uh he's maturing as a fighter and i think that was just on full display on uh on that night yeah i i, I thought that it was pretty noticeable that it seemed like Corey could feel the impact of Song's power versus the other way around. And I, I thought the takedowns were great, not because it was an offensive thing uh, as much as I felt like it was more of a defensive tactic. It was just going to prevent Song from walking him down over and over and over. If he has to at least have even a moment of hesitation because he thought Corey Sanhagen might shoot in and try to take him down, I thought that was in his best interest. Um, 
I, I definitely had him winning the fight absolutely on the scorecard. Um, the cut, man, my gosh, it was it was so bad. And uh, that was on the heels of the co-main event, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, in the aftermath of this fight, you know, Corey Sanhagen has has lost a couple of, of big time fights. He's had a couple of big opportunities. Uh, that's a guy that I've, I've felt like was also a future champion, uh, similar to Islam at 135. I don't know that that ship has sailed, but obviously he's going to have to work his way back in what is maybe the deepest division in the entire UFC. Um, Cheeto Vera is a fight that makes a lot of sense to me and also I think would be one hell of a fight. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, just the thought of those two uh, meeting in the center of the octagon, I mean, that fight just feels like a big deal, like a big fight. And with how this kind of bantamweight tournament is going, it just seems like those two are kind of at the top of the uh, at the top of the layers right now uh, of everyone who's fought. I mean, Marab got a win, but I mean that wasn't the best win. So I mean, I think possibly you could do Sandhagen versus Marab, but I mean Marab's kind of that outlier in terms of the style of like everyone else. So when you think about Cheeto and Sandhagen, it just it just makes for an incredible fight, um, a fight where both guys are going to be tested. Uh, just I think we're going to see high high level MMA. Uh, on that night uh, if they do fight and the way that both guys kind of take us take a minute and like you know process the fight I think you know we might we might see uh, a feeling out process early and then towards the end of the towards the end of the fight if it gets there I think we're going to see some really really high level stuff from both those guys and it, it would be exciting both of these guys are killers both of these guys want to damage the other person and almost to their their detriment, right? Like at the end of the, this is a fight, but it's also a sport. And sometimes it's hard to take both of those things into account. Sometimes you have fighters that are too much about just the point system, maybe, uh, instead of like saying this is a fight. And sometimes you have the complete opposite where it's more about the fight than, uh, feeling like you need to take advantage of opportunities to score. Uh, these two guys have both been on the bad side of that in ways because, uh, it's not so much about the scoring necessarily as much as they want to, do damage to their opponent and end the fight, which I think is, is one reason you have to admire and appreciate both of these guys, their fighting styles, and how stylistically uh, it may very much be a feeling out process early on, but it's also something that might result in, in big-time fireworks. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think when you when you look at Cheeto Vera and how he's been fighting his last couple of fights, um, he is definitely a killer. And the same thing with Sanhagen. Like, I think Corey Sanhagen is just waiting for the guy to, to bring the fight to him. I mean, Peter Young brought the fight to him, but this was a, a fight that Corey took on short notice. I think Corey is waiting to have that type of fight with a guy like a Cheeto Vera who's going to bring that killer out of him. They're going to bring the killers out of each other. Yeah. I mean, TJ is a guy that, you know, kind of held him up against the fence and everything. Like, I think Corey's looking to bring that, uh, that dog out of himself. And Cheeto's just, I mean, w when you hear Cheeto talk about the sport when he's in interviews and stuff, you can just tell that this guy... Uh, is a killer and the way he, he's a calculated killer the way that they the way that he processes these fights the way that he was able to catch uh dominic cruz a guy who um who barely ever gets hit the way uh the way that he was able to land clean with that head kick i mean cheeto is cheeto is awesome san hagen is awesome that matchup would be a, a fight of the year contender for sure absolutely the co-main event will also had a cut that was uh absolutely gruesome and like both of these cuts were were like I'm I'm looking away right like the cut between the eyes of Gregory Rodriguez um I there was skull showing right like unbelievable you know it it you know 
it takes a lot for for me to get grossed out. <laughs> I feel like I'm one of those people who can, like, you know, Anderson Silva snaps his leg, like, you know, while everyone's looking away, I'm like, ah, like, look how it just, like, wrapped around the leg and all that stuff. Like, that's just disgusting, you know? Same thing with Chris Weidman. But, like, when, when I'm able to, like, see inside of that cut, like, that kind of got me a little bit. You know, you can you can almost, you know, really see the guy's skull. Like, that's how deep that cut was. And the fact that he survived that, I mean, if I'm Chidi and Chikawani, I mean, I'm kind of like, damn, what exactly do I have to do to put this guy away? Um, the fact that uh, Rodriguez was still standing after that after that knee, it was uh, nothing short of remarkable. And uh, I think after that point, Chidi was spent. I mean, that that's a strike that takes out probably 80 percent. 80 to 90 percent of the UFC roster, and the fact that uh, Gregory Rodriguez took that and was able to to live to tell the tale uh, says a lot about him. Um, I've I've grown to become really uh, excited about when he fights. His fights are always exciting. Uh, he always brings it, and um, I'm very interested to see what's next for him. This was a big time fight, and Chidi and Jokwani is is a dude that uh, absolutely can finish anybody he's he's matched up with, like. Not only was he spent, but I feel like mentally he looked he looked kind of defeated right at the end of that first round. Like he looked defeated that, like you said, what do I have to do to get this guy out of here? The fact that you still had Gregory Rodriguez coming to to walk you down, the RoboCop, right? Um, it, th- that was just one of those like, holy shit type of performances from Gregory Rodriguez. I mean, even I was like, this is unbelievable. Like, I don't know. he's He's got a hole in his face. And he's he's still coming. And, and I just there was an element of Chidi, I think, mentally, or at least his body language just gave me the impression like he was like, I'm fucked. Right. Like, I don't I, I, I don't know how to stop this guy if, if that hasn't been enough. Uh, but what a fight. And uh, yeah, you're right. I think like Gregory Rodriguez, uh, if you didn't know him before, um, he, he's I, I would imagine going to have some big opportunities going forward because that was that was pretty incredible. Um, I do want to mention one other, one other fight that was on this card. Um Damon Jackson over Pat Sabatini, Will. Uh, Damon Jackson lost his brother, like, apparently fight week. Um, he's a he's an Oklahoma guy, by the way. Um, gets in there, like, Pat Sabatini is legit. And, I mean, finished this thing very quickly, and then he had the emotional breakdown, like, immediately after. Like, I felt for him, dude. I, I like, had all those feels as he goes in there, makes that walk, gets the finish, and then immediately lets all the emotion go that he had been bottling up for the entire fight week, losing his brother. Uh, that was a, a pretty great moment for Damon Jackson and what was a very, I'm sure, difficult moment for himself. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very unfortunate um, dealing with the loss uh, of your brother on on a fight week. And, and it's... Let's be real. Like this is was the, like the biggest fight of his career, fighting uh, a Pat Sabatini, who everyone has as a, a upcoming prospect in that division. Uh, you know, many people uh, thought that he was going to be uh, not that he can't, that he, that he can't now, but like many people thought that he was going to be uh, a top fifteen, top ten guy. Uh, and a lot of people had was was riding off Damon Jackson, especially with the uh, you know the loss of his brother and stuff. Um, but you know, of course, our condolences go out to him. But the way that he uh, fought, I mean, he go he goes out there and gets the job done uh, quick. Um, and it was very surprising that that kick that he landed. I mean, like you like with Chidi and Gregory Rodriguez. You know, like like we said, that knee takes out a majority of the UFC roster. Like that kick that that Damon Jackson landed on Pat Sabatini, that takes out uh, a majority of the UFC roster. And you know, it landed flush. Pat Sabatini couldn't take it. I mean, he's tough. He tried to fight through it. Uh, but eventually, pass or uh, eventually, Damon Jackson just uh, poured it on and got the finish. I mean, 
it was a it was a spectacular win for him uh in a in a week where it just seemed like nothing could go right for him uh i'm i'm glad that he was able to get that win uh and like uh i think um uh i forget who i heard say this but uh like no like damon jackson wasn't going to lose on that night um he was right. going to be anybody that uh, stepped into that octagon and i and i fully believe that because um the way that he fought uh, the way that he was just kind of throwing caution to the wind, I mean, no one was going to be able to beat him that night. So uh, props uh, to Damon Jackson for even continuing to take that fight and to come out with the victory. Uh, ultimate props to him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how about uh, something we haven't had the chance to discuss yet? Uh, Josie Aldo, the king of Rio, calls it a career, goes into retirement mode. This was a guy that going into the Marab fight, Will, which a lot of people thought was a bad, bad choice of, uh, you know, bad on his part to take that fight because Marab is the boogeyman of that division, maybe. Um, he he went forward with it. it. Like, to me, it was more about his corner advice than him, you know, not being a, a good fighter. We, we obviously know the gas tank has been a problem for him. But like when we've watched him recently, I, I think at his top level, he's still one of the elite guys. I thought he had very poor advice from the corner to uh, basically not fight, essentially. Right. Uh, but um, regardless of all of that, um, just a guy that has been a staple and a legend of, of this sport since I started following it regularly, um, you know, as it became more than just, the, you know, what the original UFCs were. But uh, Josie Aldo, man, just around forever, it seemed. Yeah, uh, a legend of the sport, um, a guy like many people are, have just recently started watching the sport you know and it's a shame because like not many people really appreciate just how great Jose Aldo was um is um when he was in the WEC like you talk about a killer uh, the way that he was knocking people out i mean Jonathan Brookins i mean uh, uh Cub Swanson uh Mike Brown the way that he completely annihilated the legs of Uriah Faber i mean Uriah Faber's legs like he'll tell this story like his legs were like blue and black I mean uh, uh after he fought Jose Aldo like this was a guy who uh nobody uh, had anything for in the WEC and then he comes over to the UFC after the UFC uh purchased the WEC and you know he he didn't have those spectacular highlight reel knockouts outside of that one in, uh in Brazil when he knocked out Chad Mendez but like nobody had anything for Jose Aldo like he was a long reigning champion uh for years and, and it took uh a Conor McGregor who completely, you know, took the sport by storm, who was riding high, a superstar, and a guy in Connor who took the mental game to Jose Aldo in a way that nobody else was able to. Of course, Connor knocked him out in 14 seconds and became the champion, but I think Aldo should be appreciated more for what he did after that because he immediately became interim champion in his next fight, yeah. became the undisputed champion after that. I mean, he had battles with Max Holloway. Um, he, he fought Volkanovski. He's, he's always fought the best of the best. And when, right when you thought his career was uh, about to end maybe four years ago, he drops down to 135 and then everyone's thinking that this is a terrible move, including myself, because he could barely make 145 at the time, but he, he ends up turning this 135 run into something, you know, special when in his last three. And then ultimately he did get a 135 title shot. You know, maybe it wasn't deserved at the time, but I mean, he's a legend. So why not? Yeah. So, I mean, Aldo is a um, he's a staple of the game, one of the all time greats. Uh, I mean, pr probably top ten uh, of all time. I mean, the talent, the uh, everything that he could do. Uh, Aldo was was one of the greats, man. And uh, 
I wish you would have went out on a better note than that Marab fight yeah. because uh, there's just so much t- uh, to Aldo. Like, I wish he would have took just one more fight in Brazil, but I understand, you know, going out the way he did. Uh, I just wish he could have had that uh, that that moment. But, you know, it doesn't always come for a lot of people. But Jose Aldo, man, one of the greats. Yeah, it's. I think it's probably one of those things where, like, if he doesn't have a path to the title and now that he's lost to Marab, that doesn't really exist uh, without maybe fighting for a, a lot longer. Uh, he doesn't want to be part of it. I hate that he's going out on that note because that was a stinker of a fight. And again, it wasn't It wasn't as though Aldo was just terrible in the fight. Like his corner was literally just telling him not to do anything essentially, right? Like it was so bizarre to watch his corner be like, yeah, this is you're, you're going to win the fight. You're doing exactly what you're doing, which is just standing there and defending takedowns. Uh, like so we like you have to score and his corner apparently, I don't know. It just, I, it stinks that, He's going out that way, having lost that fight, but also having lost a fight in which he was kind of encouraged not to fight and just to defend takedowns the whole time. Um, Speaking of now former UFC uh, fighters and and a guy that actually was a a former Aldo foe, uh, Marlon Marais joins the PFL, Will, and uh, I just saw this news earlier today. Um, Marlon Marais and Shane Burgos getting the matchup in the PFL. Well, first let me say... Jose Aldo definitely won that fight against absolutely. Marlon Marais when they fought. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. That's why he got the title uh, shot, by the way. Yes, and it's it's a it's rare that you you lose and you get a title shot, but that's not a fight that uh, Aldo lost. But anyway, uh, Marlon Marais, uh, this guy was a killer for a long time in the UFC. I I think that uh, guys in the UFC just like got better so quick. Uh, the sport started to evolve on him so quick. Uh, that he that he was just kind of left to dry, and uh, he ended up losing like five out of his last six or something like that. Uh, and then that I think that only win that he had was Aldo, which was a fight that I thought he lost. So, um, but he 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 retired, and then you know the PFL uh, they're they're spending a lot of money on guys who have the names like we we've seen Shane Burgos go, we've seen Thiago Santos go, and now you add Marlon Marais to the list, like they're getting they're getting names. Um, and these are all guys who are like Shane Burgos is exciting. Thiago Santos is a guy who has main invented UFC pay-per-views and UFC fight nights. Uh, and then you got Marlon Marais, a former UFC title challenger. So like they're getting guys who's got recognizable names. And I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty intrigued by this fight with Burgos. I mean because Burgos is as exciting as it gets. And for a while Marlon Marais was as exciting as it got in the UFC uh, before you know the, the losing streak started. So I think if you um, I think if Marais can find that guy that was uh, that was running through the division, that knocked out Aljamain Sterling, that uh, that worked his way into a title match, a title fight with Henry Cejudo, you find that guy. I mean, Burgos is going to be in for it. But I, I think this is going to be an exciting fight. Um, the leg kicks from Marais are always lethal. Uh, Shane Burgos is always an exciting fight. So I think it's a good fight. Uh, the PFL there, a lot of a lot of guys are going to the PFL, man. I think it's um, I think the PFL is starting to have something. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, they probably need to pluck a few more big names that are closer to their prime than on the wrong side of it, which uh, obviously Marlon Marais and Tiago Santos are clearly on the wrong side of it. I still think Shane Burgos is very much in that prime window, but he's also a guy that's had a bunch of wars, and you have no idea you know, what the, the long-term effect of that will be and, and how many big fights he may have left, but... That's a fun fight no matter what, or at least, if nothing else, Will, that will be a fireworks first round. Um, you know, again, I think Burgos is still in the prime window. Uh, I don't know that Marlon Marais definitely is not in that prime window. And then for what it's worth, you know, Marais was fighting at 135. Burgos was fighting at 145 in the UFC. Um, 
you know, this is this is uh, two big names against each other. And uh, look, I'm, I'm here to watch it. Absolutely. Um, I guess we can just stick with former UFC fighters uh, while we're at it. I don't know if you had the chance to watch the Bellator card on Friday or not. I was I was out of town that day, uh, so I didn't get to see it. And I've not yet had the opportunity to go back and watch it. Hopefully I'll be able to do that in the next uh, day or two. But uh, Benson Henderson and Yoel Romero both getting wins. Yeah, you know, Joel Romero, I mean, that guy at 205. I mean, I thought the guy looked massive at 185, but when that guy stepped into the octagon at 205, I mean, the, the traps, the shoulders, the biceps, like this guy is massive. Uh, and if you make a guy like Melvin Manhoff look small, I mean, and Melvin Manhoff is a guy from uh, UFC um, way back in the day. The fact that he was still fighting, it's very surprising to me, but the matchup of him and Yoel is a, is a very like interesting stylistic matchup because of the striking and everything. But Yoel had a clear advantage in the wrestling and he definitely used it at first. It kind of seemed like it was going to be a, um, kind of a 30, 27 easy decision win for Yoel because of the wrestling. But then in the third round, uh, Yoel got him down and then we saw some vicious, vicious grounded pound where he was looking to get a finish and he definitely got it that he, he was landing punches, but then he started dropping elbows and the first elbow that landed Melvin Manhoff went unconscious. Like he was, he was out cold, Uh big win for Yoel. And then the, I think the scariest thing, I mean, the elbows were scary enough, but then the scariest thing was Yoel gets up and he starts barking at the cage. Like this guy's an animal and stuff like Yoel Romero at 205 is a problem, but he called for a 185 pound title shot against, um, I forget the kid's name, Johnny, Johnny Eblen. Uh, I think that would be a very interesting fight. Uh, Yoel is uh, a tank of a man. If he can make 185, I mean, I think he'll give Evans some trouble. Uh, but I think he can even uh, be the 205-pound uh, champion in Bellator. I mean, I think there's a lot of options for Yoel there. And then uh, for Benson Henderson, just a freak show. Oh, a freak show, man. And, and then st- he's still, I mean, at 40 whatever, he's still cut. He's still very athletic like i think he can still do the the, the damn cartwheel backflip shit uh, i mean this is a guy who did the splits um a few years ago and i'm like what in the heck is this guy made of like you i've never seen a specimen like Yoel romero before and i don't think i'll ever see it again because that guy is is incredible uh but then to transition to benson henderson i mean they fought in ireland uh he fought peter quilly and so peter quilly had the had the big walkout and all of the fans was chanting his uh was singing his theme song and um, it seemed like this was a big moment for Peter Quilly to get a to get a win over a, a legend like Benson Henderson, but Benson Henderson went out there and just kind of toyed with him for five rounds. Um, it seemed like it was just a, a sparring match for Benson. Benson's one of the most talented lightweights I've ever watched. Uh, former UFC champion hasn't won the title in Bellator yet, but uh, I think he's always just on the cusp. Uh, on any given night, he could be the champion uh, yeah. in Bellator. He's on the. Uh, he, he says he's got. This is his last contract. I think he's got three more fights. Um, Benson's one of the most talented guys, like I said. Uh, if this is the end of it for him, I hope he gets one last title shot. Uh, he deserves it, man. Absolutely. Uh, go, to go back to Yo Romero for a moment, um, generally when the UFC lets some of these guys go, it's because they're clearly on the on the declining side of their career, right? Like their prime is definitely over, and they're not at their best form ever. Again, that's not to say that they still can't fight at a high level, but... Um, most of these guys are clearly not at their elite level that they showed at one point in time. Yoel Romero's an interesting one because I know that maybe you take the age into consideration, but if you go back, like, I know he had lost three in a row, but if you put those in context, Will, split decision loss to Robert Whitaker, right? War with Paulo Costa 
and then loses the Adesanya fight, which was like the one of the worst fights in UFC history. Just a nothing fight in which nothing happened. Like, it's not like the guy was showing signs of declining or not being as good. Again, wrong end of, of a decision against Robert Whitaker, who's still maybe the most elite 185er in the world, not named Israel Adesanya, a war against Costa, and then a, a fight in which nobody was good, neither side, neither side did anything with Adesanya. Like, it was, I still didn't understand that decision to let him go at the time, because when they let him go, I was like, okay, this is arguably still just the third or fourth best middleweight in the world. That's not declining. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they were just in a in a in a place where they were letting a lot of people go at that yeah. time, and I, I think um, as much as it doesn't make sense, like Yoel was is forty whatever he was forty two at the time I think he had uh, he had co he was coming off a loss to Costa, and then they gave him the title shot because Costa was hurt, so Izzy called him out. They gave him the yeah. title shot, so I think at the time they're thinking we've given him this many title shots. Like if he's not uh, making a run at the title uh let's give you know because i'm sure yoel was making close to six figures if not six figures he's probably uh inching towards like the millions like he's probably at like five hundred thousand because he was a guy like a main eventer of pay-per-views and stuff they're probably being cheap it was probably one of those things where we can yeah. uh you know let him go get you know kind of clear up our books a little bit you know i think they were, that's what kind of the run they were on at the time but yeah i mean yoel uh He's still a specimen, like even at 40, 45 or however old he is, uh, the guy is still a treat to watch. Uh, he can still knock anybody out. And now we're seeing like he, he barely ever used his wrestling in, in the UFC, but he's using it more now in Bellator. Um, I mean, the, the guy's a freak, man. So uh, before we swing back to the UFC, uh, I know we were we were both watching Canelo Triple G and. Like, I, we see some really bad cards at times in the UFC, right? Like, or or scores in the UFC at times. Like, you just mentioned one of them, like Aldo and Marlon Marais. Like, Aldo clearly won that fight. That was, I, I don't know how that happened. Bad scoring by the judges. How did you score Canelo Triple G? Um. Yeah, I mean, I gave Triple G two to three rounds towards the end there. But, I mean, I wouldn't have been mad if you gave Canelo all the rounds. Because I think... I mean, Connect, or Triple G had just like one last little spurt of uh, of energy, but like the first eight to nine rounds, Triple G just kind of was taking it, and it, yeah. if it finally seemed like Triple G was like, okay, let me let me at least give something uh, here towards the end. But like this was a uh, this was a Canelo win all the all the way for me. Um, this fight wasn't close at all, uh, but the fact that um, there was a judge that scored it as close as he as he did. I think one judge had it like one sixteen, one twelve, or something no, real close. No, one fifteen, one thirteen was one of the scores. One fifteen, one thirteen. Yeah, it was, it was just crazy. Like there, I don't know what fight that guy was watching, but triple that that would that would mean that Triple G won how many rounds? Like five, five, five yeah. rounds or so. Five, yeah, five and, rounds. Yeah. Get it seven five. Yeah. Like just for for people to not, quick math. Not, seven five. Not yeah. Even, not even not close at all. Like. There is no way Triple G won five of those five of those rounds, but I will say this: like this whole trilogy between Triple G and Canelo, that it's all been bad decisions. Like that first fight was it, they called it a draw, 
But that was a clear Triple G win for me. And I've watched that fight probably three to four times. And each time, even on fight day, and this is when I first started watching boxing, I felt like Triple G won. Now that I'm a little more experienced, I decided to watch it a few more times. And I always felt each time I watched it, that Triple G won and that he kind of got screwed. The next fight uh, was – the next fight, I'll admit, was close. Uh, it could have gone either way. Uh, of course, Canelo gets it by majority of decision. And then this last one, um, Triple G uh, – Canelo definitely won uh, going away. But, you know, of course, you got to have one judge who just, you know, scores a, a crazy – there's always just that one judge. Like, remember the Joshua Usyk fight? Like, Usyk clearly oh, won yeah. that fight. But then, yeah. but then the one judge scored it for Joshua. I'm like, what? They're not about to screw Usyk, who clearly won this fight. Um, yeah, boxing judging and I mean, we think that MMA judging is bad a lot of the time, but like boxing judging is, is pretty poor. It's worse. Like yeah, for as much as worse. we complain about MMA judging at times, I, I don't think it's nearly as bad as boxing judging. Well, boxing judging is God awful more times than it's not. And yes, we do get some bad scores in the UFC and, and in, in different MMA promotions, but I don't feel like the frequency of it is, is the same at the same rate in boxing. Uh, which is just a travesty, especially in the big fights, right? Like, in the big fights especially, like, what in the hell is happening? Um, I, I think I text you at the end of the Canelo Triple G fight, I had it 10-2 Canelo, and I think my specific phrase was, I almost feel like I'm being a little bit liberal in favor of those two rounds that I, I maybe gave to Triple G, because I could absolutely see a scenario where Canelo even won those two rounds, but I felt like I was somewhat being uh, giving to the Triple G side by giving him two rounds. I, I will say this. I give him a ton of credit for turning it on and doing his best toward the end of that fight, right? Because there was definitely a clear difference in the way he fought the back half of the fight versus the front half of the fight. The guy's 40 years old. Um, but yeah, there's there's no way the guy won more than two rounds. And uh, what it just it, it's embarrassing that, that that could be a scorecard in a fight like that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's more of the same, right? It's, it's why, for me at least, MMA is absolutely head and shoulders superior to boxing. Uh, before we talk about the, the fight card on Saturday night, I will say this. As we record this podcast right now, um, the final episode of this season of the Contender Series is taking place. Uh, Bo Nickel is the main event tonight, Will. He made quick work of opponent number one. Uh, Dana White said, come back one more time, do it again, and you're in the UFC. By the time anybody even hears this podcast, uh, Contender Series will be over and Bo Nickel's fate will have been decided, but uh, very much, again, kind of expecting more of the same, right? A completely dominant performance from Bo Nickel, and maybe this time, a week from now, we're talking about what the future holds in the UFC for one of the biggest prospects that I can remember coming into the UFC. Yeah, I mean, when you hear a lot of the MMA guys talk about and I'm talking about fighters talk about Bo Nickel. I mean, they speak of him so glowingly. Like, um, they speak of him like, you know, this is a guy who's about to be on the contender series, but they're talking about Bo Nickel like he can beat a majority of the top 15 middleweights right now. Uh, I mean, I, I have to see more of the guy. I mean, the, the competition that he's been fighting, they, I'm not going to say they're not worthy, but, you know, he's fighting, he's fighting the guys who match where his experience level is at this yeah. moment but i mean if when he gets to ufc that's a completely different different thing but i'm fully expecting him to kind of do the same thing i think um i i honestly think that bo nichols on the contender series today because dana white wanted to get the views up on the contender yeah, series agreed. one last for the for the last show of the season um i think that was i think that was the plan all along and i'm sure that there's a lot more eyes uh, on on the contender series because Bo Nickel is on it. You know, the, Bo Nickel 
has been uh, talked about so much, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people who just want to see the guy fight. So um, I saw his first fight. I was very impressed uh, knowing that this guy is a wrestler. I, I watched uh, his first fight even before he uh, got into the contender series. He knocked somebody out um, uh, with, the, with the head kick, I believe. Uh, but so, so the guy, he's, he's shown that he's a finisher. Uh, he, he's shown that he can he can strike. His wrestling is obviously great. Uh, but now at this point, I mean, Kenny, there's there's a lot of pressure on him because like I think I saw a graphic earlier that said like Bo Nichols are minus like three thousand or something crazy like that. Yeah. So um, so everyone's expecting Bo Nichols to just run through this guy. Um, I heard that he's like a a guy that's like six and zero or six and one six something like that. So um, hopefully Bo Nichols not taking this lightly and uh, he uh you know, put in the time and everything to, to come out and, and, ha- and do what he does best. So uh, I want to see him in the UFC, but he's got to get through this. Hopefully he's not over, uh, underestimating the guy. Well, I, I think anytime you have a guy whose base is high level wrestling, like that's the best base to have. Right. And, and obviously he has heavy power. Like we've seen the highlights. He can, he can finish fights from a power perspective on the feet, but like high level wrestling is, seemingly the best base to just transition to even if you don't have a lot of mma quote experience yeah i mean obviously i mean you look at some of the like dc for instance dc uh came into the sport in his mid-30s i believe but he had he, he was an olympian or an olympic wrestler uh and he basically ran through the sport until he got to the highest level of mma in john jones like he ran through the sport, and even after John Jones, he ran through the sport, uh, became a two division champion, all off of that wrestling base. Um, an, a, a perfect example of this is Ben Askren. I was about to say Ben, ben Askren, yeah. My goodness, Ben Askren couldn't couldn't punch his way out of a wet paper bag. <laughs> that famous quote: Ben Askren was was not powerful in the striking at all, but he definitely just went in and just would 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 grapple with guys, grab a hold of them. I mean. I didn't get to watch him much in one, but when he came into the UFC, the way that he got Robbie Lawler down uh, after taking that much punishment and then was able to get him down the way he did, I mean, I could only imagine how how much powerful he was as a younger guy uh, in the wrestling. And he's an Olympian as well. So um, Bo Nickel having having that type of wrestling along with um, power in his striking, I mean, he's got a good base, a great base. Uh, and I understand why a lot of people are like, this guy is going to be the, the truth once he gets to, once he gets to the UFC. But I'm I'm one of those people who was like, let me see. Let me see him build into this. Let me not just put all of these expectations on him right away. Well, he's also going to be probably a guy, Will, that just even in his first few UFC fights, just completely runs through dudes until you really step up the level of competition. Um, I, I'll be curious to see how quickly they do that with him. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if um, for the next like year or two, it's you know two, three, four, four guys that are are matchups that he can you know that aren't gonna test him to the degree uh, that that you know maybe he could be tested. But yeah, the guy obviously has an incredible ceiling, and as we just discussed, um, I think the best base to enter the UFC and and uh, and start winning fights immediately. All right, our fight night on Saturday from the Octagon from the Apex. Inside Las Vegas, Nevada, it is a main event of Mackenzie Dern and Yan Xiaonan. This is a six-fight main card that begins in the lightweight division with Mike Davis and Vyashlav Borshev. Oddshark.com has Mike Davis as the minus 175 favorite, plus 145 for Borshev. 
Notice I didn't give scores because at this point, it's almost irrelevant, Will. Uh, your lead seems to be pretty insurmountable. I mean, I would like to think that my lead is insurmountable, but we've got pay-per-views, and, I, I, and I'm pretty sure, um, especially with this card coming up in October, uh, this 280 card, I'm sure there's going to be a few fights we're going to be on the opposite end of. But um, as far as right now, uh, my lead is pretty comfortable, So, uh, but I'm not going to be too comfortable. Uh, there's a lot of sleeper fights on this card, let me first say. I mean, even the prelims, there's a lot of, uh, of really good fights. But um, there, while the main card doesn't have a lot of name value, there's a lot of really, really good fights. And, and especially this Mike Davis and Borshev fight. I mean, both guys are, are pretty talented strikers. Um, if I had to make a pick on one, I mean, this fight is really close. Ooh, if I had to make a pick on one. Um... Give me, uh, give me Mike Davis. I'll, I'll take, I'll take right. Mike Davis. The favorite Mike Davis is the pick for Will Brewer. Uh, I'll take the other side of it. I'll, I will go Borshev. Um, I think mainly just been more active recently. Uh, but yeah, this is. Um, I think this is a pretty good fight to start the main card on Saturday night. All right, fight number two on this main card takes us to what was supposed to be a bantamweight fight, but I believe it is now a catchweight fight at 140. I've not seen the reason why this was switched to a catchweight, so if you have any additional information, uh, feel free to share. Um, I just I happened to see a tweet earlier today that said it was being moved to 140. John Castaneda and Daniel Santos at 140 pounds. John Castaneda is your favorite at minus 200, plus 160 for Daniel Santos. Man, um... I, I would like to – I want to be more uh, objective of this because um, I know that Daniel Santos is probably really dangerous. I mean, you could just kind of tell when a guy enters, enters the UFC and he's got the background that he does. He's got finishes. Uh, he seems like he's pretty um, excite, a pretty exciting fighter. But I watched John Castaneda basically pick apart little Yoel Romero. I mean, that's just kind of that lives like rent free in my mind right now. <laughs> I like I like um, the John Castaneda side of this because I remember watching that fight being in complete shock because I thought Miles Johns was going to run through that guy. And John Castaneda just kind of just picked him apart. It was crazy. So my pick's going to go with John Castaneda just based off of that last performance. I'm not even going to push the quote tweet button and add anything. I'm literally just going to hit the retweet button because you said everything I wanted to say. Absolutely. Even down to the little Yoel Romero, uh, Miles John reference. So very well done. Uh, the pick is Castaneda for me also. All right. Fight number three on the main card takes us to the featherweight division. It is Sadiq Yusuf and Don Shanus making his UFC debut. Um, a guy that is uh, a pretty big prospect as well. Uh, Oddshark.com has... Yusuf at minus 1,000, plus 600 for Shameless Shanus. So, I mean, you get you got to give props to Sadiq Yusuf for taking this fight because uh, it's, a, it's a fight where he has everything to lose and not much to gain uh, unless he gives, like, some highlight reel knockout. But if he just gets, like, another decision or something like that, that's, there's not too much for him to gain off of this. But he's fighting... Uh, Don Shanus, who has everything to gain in a fight like this, a fight that he's kind of taken on short notice. He's taken um, 
the opportunity. You know, sometimes when you get that call, you just have to take it. And this is a guy who was fighting in cage Titans. Um, and he's, he, you know, he's done pretty well. Uh, he's on a, he's on a pretty good winning streak at the, at the moment, but he hasn't fought in the UFC and he hasn't fought anyone, uh, like Sadiq Youssef. Um, I'm not, even though he's a big time prospect and everything, you know, I'm not going to put too much stock into him right now, uh, without having, you know, without seeing him fight. Uh, and then, you know, Sadiq Youssef is just so good. I mean, he's one of the best, uh, featherweights out there. Um, I think, you know, especially with him on a full camp, um, and not saying that Shane that Shane is out of shape. I mean, I'm sure uh, he's probably had a fight um, booked that you know that what not, that wasn't too far away from this one. So, um, but I'm gonna give the win to Sadiq. Uh, I I just think you know the yeah. experience, the 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 style. I mean, the guy's as good as it gets at, yeah. at featherweight. So, Sadiq, you said for me. Um, and uh, let me. Uh... I said big prospect. Maybe that's not the right way to put it. Um, maybe it's just more accurate, like a guy that, that is dangerous in his UFC debut. Because uh, when you say big prospect like that, that to me maybe gives the, after I said it, I was like, yeah, I don't know that that fits. Because it's not like Bo Nickel, right? Bo Nickel is a big time prospect. Um, I don't know what Shanus's, like ceiling is in the UFC, but a guy that is dangerous in this fight if if you uh, if you don't take him. But I mean... Sadiq Yusuf is a minus 1,000 favorite for a reason, right? He's one of the best featherweights in the world in a division that really, I think, is has more depth than it has had in a, in a long, long time. Uh, the pick is Sadiq Yusuf for me as well. All right, bantamweight division. This one could be a lot of fun. It is Heoni Barcelos and Trevin Jones. Oddshark.com has Barcelos as the minus 230 favorite, plus 180 for Trevin Jones. Uh, man, this one, uh, you know, Trevin Jones, I think he could get written off in a fight like this, um, because it seems like he has one way to win. Uh, but I mean, the guy, the guy is pretty solid. And, uh, if he connects, um, he can definitely win this fight. Um, man, part of me wants to, part of me wants to take a chance on Trevin Jones because I, I think he's a, he's a live dog in this, uh, but I think Barcelos has just more ways to win, and he's more experienced. Um, he's beat a lot of solid guys. Just uh, go ahead and give me uh, Barcelos. All right. This is Barcelos for me. The interesting part of this fight, like, Barcelos, I think, has the skill set to be one of the elite 135ers in the sport. Like, I, this guy is good enough to have a number next to his name. He's lost two in a row. And to, like watching those fights, it, it's not even as though like the guy's just getting beat. It's just kind of like a failure to engage, if you will. Right. So it's like my only thing with this fight is if the guy engages and pushes the go button, like we're in a fight. I think I think he's the winner here. It's just a matter of, you know, is he going to do that or is he going to do what we sometimes see with guys, which is stay back and not really ever engage. It's it's like that uh, the scene in Top Gun, right? After Goose has died and Maverick gets back up in the jet and he won't get into the firefight and then they land and the the, co- the new co-pilot's like, why won't you engage, man? Like, that's what this is. And we see this, I think, a lot in, in the UFC. Sometimes, for some reason, there's just a, a failure to want to get into the fight. And I, I think this guy, st- I know he's been around for a while. I, I still think there is a big ceiling there. Um, if he just presses that go button... Uh, but it is going to be Barcelos for me also in the bantamweight division. And uh, maybe by the end of this fight, I will send out my weekly tweet, death taxes and bantamweights, because we always get one great bantamweight fight on every single card. All right, our co-main event takes place in the welterweight division. It is Randy Brown and Francisco Trinaldo. 
Oddshark.com has Randy Brown as your minus 325 favorite, plus 250 for Trinaldo. Look, Randy Brown has looked really good uh, as of late. It seems like he's really starting to find it. Um, he's starting to use his length. He's starting to use his 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 jabs, his his long kicks. I mean, the way that he was kind of able to keep Chaos Williams at bay uh, told me a lot about him. Uh, even though Chaos clipped him, um, Randy Brown survived that. So that also told me uh, or showed me a lot about his toughness. So, um it seems like this is a guy who wants it. He's only lost to the to the top guys in the welterweight division. Um, Francisco Trinado is probably going to test his grit. Um, I think he's going to be in for a tough fight. But I think Randy Brown's skill and the style, the length, I think those are just all uh, going to pose so many problems for Francisco Trinado, who's all of 40 whatever he is. I know he's in his mid 40s. I think um, he's he's a tough he's a tough out. Put it that way. He's he, he's a tough out, but uh, this is a Randy Brown win for me. Trinaldo is 44, by the way. Uh, 44. Yeah. And and look, to his credit, is still a very tough guy who I think on his own has, what, a three-fight win streak, if I'm uh, not mistaken? Yeah. Uh, Randy Brown also on a three-fight win streak. He's won five of his last six. The only loss in there was to Luque in 2020, but he beat he's beaten Brian Barbarena, Worley Alves, Cowboy Oliveira, Jared Gordon, and Chaos Williams in this run. Like that's, that's pretty impressive, right? Like none of those are like easy fights at all. And not that any fight is easy, but those are all, all tough guys that are going to make you earn it. Um, I just, obviously just completely different points of their career here, uh, for me, but, uh, yeah, this is a Randy Brown win. And as you mentioned, that chaos Williams win, I, I thought was very, very impressive. All right, our main event of the evening is in the women's strawweight division. It is title contenders Mackenzie Dern and Jan Shaunan. Oddshark.com has Mackenzie Dern as your minus 230 favorite, plus 185 for Jan Shaunan. Now, this is a perfect opportunity for me to explain that in, in China, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's Shaunan Jan, right? But in the... In America, it's flipped, so we call her Yan Shaonan. Okay, got me. So like last week, we had Song Yidong. We call him Song Yidong here in America, but in China, they it's Yidong Song. song. Okay. Yeah, so that's why on the on the thing, it's Dern versus Yan. Okay, so Yan is is her first name. Shaonan is her last name. They just say it differently in China, right? I think that's right. Or maybe like in China, like in China, her last name just goes. Okay, 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 wait, wait, wait. In China, Xiaonan, which is technically her last name, is just her first name. I mean, that's just the best way I can put it. I'm not going to confuse myself. I don't here, even know what that I means, a, man. I have I no a, idea what that even means. <laughs> well, let's just say in China, it, everything is backwards. So it's Xiaonan Yan in China. Okay, so my, it, this it's, is... It's me, Yao, in China. This is the question, though. Like, this is what always confuses me. In China... Is Yan the family name or is Xiaonan the family name? Right? Because you have your, like, like your name is Will. That's your individual name, but your family name is Brewer, right? Yeah. So which one is the family name in China and which one is the individual name in China? That's a great question. I would guess that the family name, that the family name is Yan. Okay, see, I would guess the family name is Xiaonan. And that's why we say Yan Xiaonan, but that's why they just do it. They say the family name first and then the, the individual name, and that's why it's Xiaonan Yan. 
hey, you, you might be right, man. I don't know. I mean, that's, Dude, it's that's confusing not, as shit to me. Right. That sounds right to me, but hey. <laughs> I will never I will never have that right or understand it. So I'm just giving you a heads up. I hope you explain <laughs> it every single time it comes up. And I hope we go through this little song and dance every single time. And then the people listening that hear it every single time can be like these fucking idiots. And I, I, I will appreciate that. But I'm, I'm just I'm never going to get that down. I just know that um, <laughs> here in America, we 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 flip it. So yeah. maybe it's because the family name goes first in China. So we flip it. So that's. That sounds right to me. But anyway, uh, wait, with Yao Ming, Stern, did, 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 w- he had Yao on the back of his jersey, right? Yes, he had Yao on the back of his jersey. Mm-hmm. When he first got into the league, it was Ming Yao. I, I remember yeah. because on the video game, it was Ming Yao. And then <laughs> the next year, they started calling him Yao Ming. Yao Ming yeah. uh, and, the, and the name on the back of his jersey was Yao. So, See, I still don't even know. Like, <laughs> like they're going to be taught. Like, luckily... There are some people like Song Yudong has been around long enough that like I've just heard him called Song Yudong so much that it's like without question I don't even like and then like Yan Xiaonan same way and then there are others that I've not heard nearly as much and then I like I get in my head and I'm like wait a minute which way is it now you know you know one that I was uh, kind of tripping on for a minute uh Wei Li Zhang because so yes. look when she first got into the UFC it was Wei Li Zhang and then eventually it flipped to Zhang Wei Li. But, like, they both sound like, you know, like, Yan Xiaonan just kind of sounds right. right. Like, Yao Ming sounds right. Song like, Ming Yao doesn't, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound right. But see, with Zhang Wei Li and Wei Li Zhang, they both sound like they could be right. And so because like, a lot of the MMA media has said that one both ways, whereas right. I've never heard anybody <laughs> refer to Yan Xiaonan as Xiaonan Yan, right? I've right. never heard anybody in MMA media refer to Song Yudong as Yudong Song. So, like, <laughs> those are easy. I've heard both... Zhang Wei Li and Wei Li Zhang, and so I'm I'm always with that one. Like I have no idea, no clue. <laughs> well, I think it's <laughs> I think it's Zhang Wei Li. Like I think we're supposed to say, and here in America, Zhang Wei Li. Okay. Because uh, on the on the uh, on the poster, I forgot which main event she was in. She was in a main event. I think it was against Andraj, maybe, and it was Andraj versus uh, Wei Li. So yeah. And I'm pretty anyway. sure every time we've talked about Zhang Wei Li, I will start to say the name and like halfway through it doubt myself. And like I'll pause and be like, Is that am I saying it right this time or is it the other like I can never remember? It's yeah. So it's Zhang Wei Li. For now and forever. Okay. Don't get it confused. Okay. <laughs> now till next time. For um for this main event, Yan Xiaonan and Mackenzie Dern, I think that this is a a, a great fight, like in terms of matchmaking, this is this is a great fight. It's a striker versus grappler type match. Um, my question with this one is, which which uh, fighter's deficiency uh, is going to bite them? So like, Mackenzie Dern um, is obviously a great grappler. She's got awesome jujitsu, uh, but she's not the greatest striker. I mean, she's worked on her striking. Like she's come a long way. Um, in the fight with Marina Rodriguez, she did well against Tisha Torres. She did well, but I think Jan Shaunan represents a different type of striker. Um, the power, uh, the speed. I think she hasn't really seen something like what Jan Shaunan brings to the table. Now, on the other hand, I know for a fact, Jan Shaunan hasn't fought anybody, uh, as, as good as Mackenzie Dern on the ground. I mean, this Mackenzie Dern is the greatest, probably uh, female, uh, jujitsu player of all time. But, uh, in 
a fight like this, I mean, McKenzie, um, um, in, her, in her last couple fights against Tisha and Marina Rodriguez, she hasn't, she's never shied away from being in striking exchanges. And I think that's important. I think uh, the way that she kind of makes it, she makes it dirty in order to get in, get in close so she can wrap up submissions and, and whatnot. She almost had Tisha in a submission. She almost had Marina Rodriguez in a few, in a few submissions. Um, my question is, or my next question is, how how much better has Mackenzie Dern gotten with her takedown offense? Um, I think that's something that she hasn't really had. Yeah. Because if she can just get this fight to the ground, I think it's a clear, the advantage that she has over Jan on the ground, it's just, it's so substantial. Um, it's so wide. Uh, and I think that the 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 difference in the striking between Shaunan and McKenzie, while it's uh, there's a gap, I don't think the gap is as wide as the gap is between Dern and Yan on the ground. So my pick is going to go with McKenzie Dern. I think at some point this fight goes to the ground, and when this fight does get to the ground, McKenzie's going to submit her. I mean, I thought it was very telling, and not to not to disrespect Carla Sparza at all, but the fact that Carla was able to get her to the ground and she had nothing for nothing Carla yeah. around. The fact that Carla was able to uh, pass her guard and get into a dominant position kind of effortlessly. I mean, props to Carla for sure. But I thought that told me a lot about where Shannon was with her ground game. And I think if McKenzie gets her to the ground, she's she's not even going to know what, what happened to her before she's wrapped up in a submission. So my pick is going to go with McKenzie Dern. I would, I think I'd struggle maybe to pick this fight a little bit more if it was three rounds, but over the course of 25 minutes, you just feel like there are going to be at least a couple opportunities for McKenzie Dern to get this fight to the mat. And when that happens, you just feel like the, the edge is okay. so decisively in McKenzie Dern's favor. Um, you know, we, we talk about this in so, like, like the Kevin Holland Shamaya fight or like the last time, like Islam versus like Dan Hooker, like this fight is interesting for as long as it takes place while both people are standing. The minute that both people are not standing anymore, the fight to me is not that interesting. So if Jan Shaunan can keep this on the feet for five full rounds, then she's probably going to win. Uh, or look, I would say this, there's, you know, I think Jan Shaunan could potentially get a finish here on the feet. Um, Mackenzie Dern is not inept on the feet, but I do think there is a decisive edge on the feet for Jan Shaunan. But I think there is a bigger edge if it goes to the mat in terms of Mackenzie Dern. Uh, either just completely dominating in that way or actually getting the finish. So, uh, yeah, to me, it's just a matter of can Yan Xiaonan prevent this from going to the ground? Uh, and if she does, then it'll be a really interesting fight. If she if she can't, like, it's just a matter of time in my mind that Mackenzie Dern is, is going to uh, either just comfortably win on the ground or actually get a stoppage. Uh, it's it's Mackenzie Dern for me in the main event in the strawweight division. And look, this is... Obviously, a fight that uh, very much has uh, potential championship implications. Oh yeah, I mean, I think um, the UFC is is very high on both of these uh, both these women. I mean, Mackenzie Dern. I think as soon as she got into uh, MMA, or as soon as she got into the UFC, uh, the UFC wanted to kind of be behind her on uh, being a champion. And same thing with Yan Xiaonan. I mean, the 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 market in China. I mean, I know they love um, when there's a champion from China. That's why you see um, Li Zhengliang and uh, uh, Zhang Wei Li, you know, Song Yidong getting all these big opportunities. And the same thing with Yan Xiaonan. I feel like as soon as she got into the UFC, she was getting big opportunities. Um, so, yeah, I think there's championship uh, aspirations for both of them. I think Mackenzie Dern's probably closer yeah. uh, in this moment. 
Um, I think she's probably just maybe uh, one win away or maybe two, but uh, I think she's right on the cusp. And Yan Shanon, she's not out of it. Right, I mean, she's lost two in a row. She's not out of it, but I think a win over Mackenzie Dern, and especially if she wins, the way that it would happen, I think it would be very uh, exciting. So it would put her right back uh, in that discussion. So she had a close fight with Marina Rodriguez, who many people believe is next. It was a split decision win for Rodriguez. So she's right there. So uh, this is a this is a very very interesting fight, and um, a lot a lot riding on on it for both women. So uh, I think we'll see a dog fight. Feels like Marina Rodriguez is next, right? Marina Rodriguez, by the way, has beat both of these ladies. Um, I, I would imagine, Will, this would be a big... I mean, the winner, in my mind, probably gets Rose, right? Like, that would make sense. You, you know, I think it de- I think it depends on what happens uh, with the title fight. Because if Carla beats Wei Li, then, of course, Rose isn't going to get another title shot. So that would make Rose a, a perfect candidate for this for the winner of this fight. But I think if Whaley wins, I think we're probably going to see Whaley Rose three because Whaley and Rose two was really really close. Yeah. Um, and I think if Whaley's the champion, it's hard. Despite what happened with Carla and Rose, it's hard to deny um, Rose a shot against Whaley, considering that she's beat her twice. Yeah. I mean, of course you got. Um, she's not fought again though since the loss. That's the only thing. Like it was a dud. She's not fought again. She's not on a. She's not won a fight since she lost to Carla. And Marina Rodriguez is more than I think deserving of a title shot. Um, I, I like. I, I I would imagine Rose has to get a win and at least get some positive momentum coming off of the loss and the dud uh, before they would just throw her right back into the title picture. I forgot that uh, Marina Rodriguez is, has a fight against Amanda Lemos coming up. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I forgot she, about that too. That, that's crazy. That Marina's. St- it is a great fight. Stylistically, that's as great good as fight. it gets. Yeah. It's it's crazy that Marina's still taking these dangerous fights, and she's literally on the cusp of a title shot while you got Rose. I feel like Rose is waiting on who wins this fight. I mean, because she's kind of been out of sight, out of mind since she lost to Carla. Um, I actually, the one thing that I heard from Rose, or about Rose, is that she's considering a move up to flyweight. I mean, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I, I heard that that's been talked about uh from rose's camp so i mean we'll see what happens but this this strawweight division is is absolutely loaded i mean the fact that marina rodriguez and, and amanda lemos are fighting Dern and yan shaunan carla and wei lee i mean there's a lot uh to love about the strawweight division right now by the way give me uh give me rose valentina at flyweight all day long all day man i'm in and, uh, immediately that fight immediately. would be crazy I mean, even though I feel like Valentina has a clear path to victory, but yeah. I feel like if they if they are standing, just the 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 skill level that we'll see from uh from Rose and her movement, Valentina and her Muay Thai, like it's just I think in terms of women MMA, like there's I don't think there's a higher level of a striking match that we'd ever see. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I, the point is. Either one of the winners on Saturday night, Dern or um, Yan Xiaonan, puts themselves right back in a scenario where you get a big fight against a big name that that you know potentially could point you in a path toward a uh, a championship. So this is a this is a very big one for both, right? Because I, I, Yan Xiaonan has lost two in a row to uh, Carla and Marina. Uh, Mackenzie Dern lost to Marina Rodriguez, and then uh, who was it? She just beat Tisha Torres. Tisha Torres yeah. So yeah, this. Uh, this one, this one could could be big in terms of what's next for the winner, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm uh, I'm curious to see what they do as well, depending on on how that goes. And like you said, I I 
I remember hearing the Marina Rodriguez um, Amanda Limosh fight announced, and I thought that's a great fight, and it doesn't make sense, but that's a great fight, and then I completely forgot about it as as uh, you brought it up. So uh, there you go, man. It's that's a, that's kind of a fun division right now, right at the top. Yeah, it's a it's a fun division, and especially because the other ones seem to be just so like <laughs> dominated, what, yeah. dominated by Dominate, one person. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, let me just say this about this division. I mean, if Mackenzie Dern wins this, Mackenzie Dern is a terrible matchup for like all of the championship contenders right now. I mean, if if Mackenzie Dern has worked on her striking, like I, I mean, and we'll definitely see in this fight. But if she's worked on her striking and if she's worked on her uh, takedown offense, I think we're probably looking at the next champion because she's a she's a terrible matchup for Carla, for Wei Li, for Rose, all these girls. I mean. Because once it gets to the ground, you're in her world. So, Rose just, is so just, long, just though, man. Her, you know, Rose is so long. Her, like you said, she's great on the ground, but her takedowns aren't great. So, well, Rose has been susceptible to takedowns. I mean, yeah. uh, sure, she she uh, she got taken down by Wei Lee, uh, who had been working on her wrestling. Of course, there was Carla. I don't think she got taken down. She might have. I mean, that fight was so long ago, and it was so terrible. I mean, I don't want to think about that fight, but um, I don't remember if Carla got her down or not, but um, Rose can be taken down. And if McKenzie has worked on her takedown, like, she's a she's got championship intangibles. Like, she's she's there. Yeah. The skill is there. She's just, she just has to put it all together. I, I, I think she's on the cusp. And I think we're going to learn a lot about her in this fight. But, the, but you know, Yan Xiaonan, for what it's worth, I mean, if she's able to put McKenzie Dern away, there's a lot of really good matchups out there for her at the top of the division with, like, Rose and with uh, a rematch with Rena Rodriguez and everything. And then, you know, potentially maybe it's a China versus China match with her and Wei Li. Uh, I think the only bad matchup in the top for Yan Xiaonan is Carla. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. But this is a very interesting fight, and we're going to learn a lot about both women, uh, who's gotten better, uh, who's gotten uh, who's gotten more mature and everything throughout these uh, close fights that they've had. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely. It is Mackenzie Dern and Jan Xiaonan on Saturday from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas before we have another week off, and then it's uh, Grasso Araujo on Saturday, October 15th, uh, which will then take us to UFC 280 um, from Abu Dhabi, on October 22nd, and uh, I mean, as good a card, again, from start to finish as uh, has ever been put together, I think, in the UFC. Will, good to catch up, man. Uh, glad we were able to, to finally uh, get back on track, uh, and uh, good luck on Saturday. Alright, brother. Good luck Saturday, man. We're locked in early. Locked and loaded. Podcast is over.